Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today, you'll be listening to our Mortgage Desk segment with host Kelsey Ramirez. In this episode, Ramirez speaks to former CFPB director Richard Cordray about the new direction the Bureau will take. They talk about the Biden administration appointee Rohit Chopra and what his reign at the Bureau will look like. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's newest podcast. Right now, more than ever, the housing industry has been having honest conversations about how race impacts the home buying process. To heighten the discussion, Housing Wire is launching Honest Conversations, a new mini podcast series to examine the state of minority home ownership in America. For eight weeks starting in February, please join Housing Wire Daily each Wednesday as we aim to provide listeners with a greater perspective on how race, housing, and wealth intersect and what experts are doing to close the home ownership gap. Hi everyone, welcome to Mortgage Desk. Today you'll be listening to an exclusive interview that features Richard Cordray, former director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. In today's interview, Richard discusses the new CFPB nominee and what the Bureau could look like under Rohit Chopra. So thanks for being on with us today, Richard. My pleasure. Um, So let's talk a little bit about um, the transition so when uh, Biden took over, we saw CFPB Director Kathy Craninger step down uh, to make room for the new uh, Biden appointee. Uh, what is that transition? I mean, how does that contrast to whenever you know you stepped down? And I know there was a, a lot of turmoil after that when when you made the decision to step down, down as director. Well, so what's happened over the past few days uh, suggests we're going to have a very smooth transition here. Both the director of the CFPB, Kathy Craninger, and the deputy director, Tom Paul, both resigned their positions. That clears the way for new leadership. Uh, it was it was evidently going to happen in any event. The Biden administration was going to replace uh, the director, but it's now uh, smooth sailing. And what has occurred is that the Biden administration has installed an acting director, Dave Wajo. Uh, who was already one of the executives at the Bureau, and they have announced their nominee, intended nominee, Rohit Chopra, who is a current commissioner on the Federal Trade Commissioner and was a longstanding 
high-level uh, leader at the Consumer Bureau, especially on the, the issue of student loans. Uh, he will be uh, confirmed by the Senate. I think that will be pretty clear, uh, a clear path. He was unanimously confirmed by the Senate to his position on the FTC. Uh, and so I would expect that to happen within the next month. So we're going to have a pretty quick transition there uh, and a new direction for the CFPB. So something to, to note for our listeners, this is also different from when you stepped down because uh, you stepped down because you were choosing to follow another path and, and, and that was entirely your choice. But at the time, there was nothing saying that uh, then President Trump could remove you. No, although my term was coming to an end, I had just a few months left on my term and it was quite clear that President Trump was going to be able to replace me. Uh, and the difference here is that we've had the intervening Supreme Court decision in the SELA law case, which specified that the director serves at the pleasure of the president, and therefore, as people had anticipated, with a new president comes a new director, and that's where we now stand. So talking a little bit, as you already said, you think it's going to be no problem for him to be confirmed by the Senate and step into this new role. Um, so how might Chopra's leadership differ from what we've seen over the last couple of years? So, as I said, Rohit was uh, at the Consumer Bureau for a number of years, and he led the work that we were doing to protect consumers uh, in the area of student loans and how they're treated on the student loans and how student loans are serviced. Uh, so Rohit is somebody who knows the Consumer Bureau from the inside uh, he was involved in many of the leadership decisions that were made under my tenure. I am quite sure, and his record on the FTC, which has been a strong record, shows he will be vigorous in carrying out uh, the law. Uh, I believe that you will see uh, greater consistent enforcement uh, of the law to protect consumers. And I think you will see any number of, of measures uh, taken that differ from the direction that the Consumer Bureau took uh, during the Trump administration and resemble more closely how the CFPB was uh, before that. Uh, and I think there will obviously there are new issues that have arisen in the meantime. Uh, Rohit will be creative in dealing with those, but I think you're going to see a re reinvigorated uh, CFPB that returns it to the original intent of the mission uh, of the agency. You mentioned a couple times his um, his previous experience with student loans at the Bureau specifically. Do you think that appointing him as the next director is a sign that this next administration wants to focus more on the student loan um, areas? I don't think it necessarily in, uh, says that. It says that uh, they see Rohit as a strong, dynamic new leader for the CFPB. Uh, they know that he will go in the direction of being an aggressive uh, advocate for consumers across the country, and particularly those now hard hit by the COVID uh, economic crisis. But it is notable that, that Rohit is the thorough, he's probably the lead, leading expert in the nation on how to protect consumers in the student loan space. So that certainly will get a lot of attention uh, from the CFPB, but there's lots of work to do in the area of mortgages, in the area of credit cards, in the area of auto loans, payday loans, really across the board for the CFPB, and Rohit will hit the ground running, I believe, on all of those fronts. So when we, let's switch gears a little bit and, and look at it from an industry perspective, um, and as 
uh, mortgage lenders and, and well, really any, any lenders are, are looking at this new CFPB and under its new leadership, what should they keep in mind with um, how they approach business and how they approach dealing with the CFPB under this new leadership? So I think there are, there are a lot of businesses uh, in the financial services area who have seen over the 10 years since the Dodd-Frank Act was passed and the Consumer Bureau came into existence that better, stronger, even-handed regulation is better for their marketplace because it means everybody's being held to the same rules of the road. Uh, the law is being enforced. Those who would cheat or mistreat consumers to get an edge in the marketplace are being uh, restrained from doing that. So they don't have to compete by worrying about the cheaters who are getting an advantage over them. Uh, and for many businesses, law-abiding, high-road businesses, this is a very beneficial thing. Uh, and I think that's that's very important to note. Uh, with respect to certain industries, you know, the mortgage industry, obviously of interest to, you, to your audience in particular, uh, there are a lot of issues that are gonna be coming forward over the next few years. Uh, certainly, the, the COVID crisis has put in at a premium the fact that many people are in forbearance programs, they're behind on their mortgages. How that gets sorted out will have a lot to do with whether we have a rash of foreclosures in this country or whether we manage to have a smoother path out of that. Uh, we're going to have similar issues with people who are behind on their rent and facing potential eviction. Uh, we've had moratoria on those proceedings for much of the marketplace, but those are going to be coming off. And again, how those issues are handled could have a lot to do with whether the housing market becomes disrupted or continues on what has been a really strong course uh, over the last several years. The housing market has held up well uh, during this economic crisis. That's very different from how it was 10 years ago. And I think a certain amount of that can be attributed to reforms that were put in place for the mortgage market uh, under the CFPB, uh, as well as a better thinking about how important it is to try to avoid clogging the pipeline with foreclosures, which really disrupts and, and stagnates uh, the housing market in this country. And we could not afford and would not want to do that again. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people that are talking about what's about to happen as people exit forbearance, um, but there is a lot of hope that we kind of learned our lesson in the in the last crisis and there's been enough um, reform since then and, and enough measures put in place to, to avoid that foreclosure pileup that we saw last time. I, th I think we learned a lot of lessons from last time and we learned that complicated detailed programs don't work very well at high volume uh, to deal with a crisis of this sort and so things have been a little simpler that have been put in place easier for consumers to access. But I also think, Kelsey, it's really important that we have strong oversight of the mortgage servicers in particular to make sure they handle this situation appropriately, that they don't simply seek to extract, you know, full backed up payments all at once from, uh, from the mortgage holders, because that's going to lead directly to foreclosure and, and a high volume of foreclosures is going to clog the courts, clog the process and disrupt the housing market. And nobody should want that but it depends in part on aggressive oversight, effective oversight from agencies like the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, uh, also the FHFA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and others uh, to make sure that this process uh, is handled sensitively and wisely uh, for, for the future of the economy and for all of these individual households who are at risk. 
it certainly seems like they have their their work cut out for them in the in the months ahead at the regulatory level. I mean, even even if we don't see um, it in math like we saw last time, there's just going to be more oversight, more making sure that everything really is going smoothly, and and so I, I think we will see that that uptick there. So during the Trump administration, it was no secret that he was that he had a deregulatory agenda. Um, he passed different uh, memorandums, like saying for every regulation that was added, you had to take two away. Um, it was a very um, backseat approach to, to regulations. So <clears throat> as we saw that uh, deregulation at the federal level, what we also saw is more states stepping up. Um, one of the biggest examples I can think of right now is California's CFPB. Um, that they put in place uh, and, and you saw more states stepping up and increasing their regulations. So as we shift to this next administration where the CFPB might be playing um, a bigger role once again, do you think that the states will step back down or will we now have both? So this is a theme, the partnership between the federal government and the states that I cover in the book you see behind me, Watchdog, which is the book that I published earlier this year which tells the story of the CFPB, uh, how it was built, uh, what we tried to accomplish for consumers, and why it's really important to have strong oversight of consumer finance uh, in this country to protect the middle class uh, in America. Uh, what um, states have done over the past several years, and I was directly involved in the effort in California to create a analog to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau in California. It's known as the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. And it just took effect uh, this month. So it's brand new out there. Is states, as you say, stepping in to fill the void created by the retreat of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau at the federal level uh, and the need and, and the importance of doing the work to protect their citizens. Uh, in reality, there's room for a, a good solid partnership between the federal government being effective on these issues and state governments be effective, being effective on these issues. People in California shouldn't have to wait on Washington or worry about the whims of Washington in terms of whether they can protect Californians in the financial marketplace. But if they're getting support uh, and reinforcement from Washington, they can work together on a lot of things and be more effective. There's never really enough uh, oversight of these markets. There's always lots of nooks and crannies where people are doing things and people are cheating, uh, being cheated by companies. Uh, and so reinforcing one another and creating a strong partnership between the federal government and the states is the best approach. Uh, when we didn't have that from the Trump administration CFPB, the states had to kind of go it more on their own. Uh, but I think we're going to return to the days of the kind of partnership we built when I was director of the CFPB between uh, the CFPB on the one hand and state attorneys general and state financial regulators on the other hand, uh, where they're both trying to work together to look out for the citizens of every one of the 50 states. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I also um, had heard it talked about that, that states don't have as much funding um, as the CFPB has um, at its disposal. So, so having that partnership is also really going to benefit them on the state level uh, as well. Sure. And of course, it depends on the state. I mean, California is a very large state. In fact, notably, California on its own would be the fifth largest economy in the world. 
that's really stunning to think about that. There's only four countries in the world, including the rest of the United States, that would be larger than California's. Uh, so the states that have resources, they can bring more to bear. Other states have fewer resources. That's why state officials often team up with one another, especially when they're trying to address problems at some of these big national and international companies uh, in order to have the heft to be effective. Uh, but if they can be backed up and, and be working with a reinvigorated CFPB, as will be true under Director Chopra, uh, then I think we have a, a really solid system for protecting consumers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and going to be uh, excited to see what happens next and um, what new plans the, the new director has for the Bureau going forward. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing your perspective with us. My pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk to the audience at Housing Wire. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.